Welcome back to another episode of the Two Bros podcast. We are Two Bros. This is the Two Bros podcast. Welcome again. Uh in this uh, episode we're going to do a quick roundup of match day number 3 of the Champions League and the next game week that is game week number 8 of the English Premier League. And joining me as always is big brother. Hello sir. Welcome back. Hello sir. How do you do? Uh not too good as a United fan as you might have guessed. Well 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 will wonders never cease. Well, yeah, I mean United winning two of the toughest games of the of the of the group against PSG and Salz of uh, against PSG and Leipzig. and then completely ruining themselves and making their lives difficult against Istanbul Besiktas hit newbies in the Champions League they've first time in the league and their first goals of the Champions League coming against uh, united a very strong united side if i might add right you are and uh, this is one of the mysteries i think over the last couple of years as to why can solskjaer cajole a consistent performance from this united squad as uh, talented they are they can't seem to be able to string you know half a dozen good performances together so every time you have the miracle in paris you have uh, the debacle at old trafford and you know as an outsider i can't see it So I'll leave it to you. So please tell us why did all these Premier League rejects and the uh, retirees how did they come back to haunt United in Istanbul? Well, both the goals we considered they were disaster class in terms of defense. I mean, they were just caught. Uh, the first goal, for instance, Dembaba picks the ball up in his own half from a United corner. and there was nobody marking him nemanja matter was the last guy all of uh, maguire lindelof shaw and wambisaka were in the opponent box and all they had to do was launch it forward dembaba well inside his own half and the only man tracking him was uh, nemanja matter and he's not the quickest is he and then it's a simple uh, side foot into the goal like past henderson and there's not a damn thing he can do about it and uh, the second goal for instance another counter attack i think basically besek sahir played the way united normally play they hit us on the counter and defensively we were all over the place and for the second goal for instance you got uh, i think it was demba ba again on the left hand side you had maguire lindelof and van bissaka or luksha one of them all three of them completely uh, trying to close in with demba ba leaving the other half of the penalty box completely open two players from besak sahir they could have taken their own sweet time to be honest and they smashed it and uh, i would say united were lucky to get a goal because because we we didn't create anything just before half time we got one cross in from i think it was luke shaw on the left and uh, marcial was lucky to get his uh, header on target and after that there was nothing in it there was just nothing in the game i mean kavani came on at the 60th minute and for the next 30 minutes we didn't create a single chance for kavani nothing you know there was no point i mean that's my point that why would you want to sign a guy like kavani if you can't give him the service now i'm looking at the lineups from this game and you've got uh, mata you've got fernandez you've got rashford and you've got donny van de beek playing behind them and for such a lineup to say that they couldn't create enough chances i mean what is fundamentally going wrong here so i tried to try to pinpoint what actually goes on right so let's say united have possession and it's uh, harry maguire 
and uh, oh my my mistake it wasn't lindelof it was uh, tuan zebe i've just looked at the lineup again my bad so let's say it's uh, maguire and uh, tuan zebe on the ball right and uh, they they reach the halfway line you've got one guy up front which is nemanja matic or uh, van de beek or fred or mcdomin in this case everybody else rashford marcial bruno fernandes one matter they are in line with the defense of the opponents they are waiting for a ball but there is this big gap in the middle and i noticed this uh, happening in the in the last game there was a big gap in the middle there are four guys in the front there are four guys in the back there's probably one guy in the middle who's trying to link up play but he's not that good and the minute one of our forwards gets the ball he's immediately you know crowded and cramped on upon and none of the strikers are making runs past the defenders for let's say uh, you know bruno fernandes try to maybe chip the defensive line or pogba try to chip the defensive line nothing they all waiting for the ball to come they come towards the ball but they're already crowded by two people so they have to give it back and this carried on for hours and hours it was just sideways passing to shaw short no shaw not knowing what to do giving it back to somebody in the middle somebody middle going to the other side giving it to wan bisaka wan bisaka let's say he's not the best uh, crosser anyway he gives it back to uh, you know maguire or whoever else is in the midfield and rashford and martial and even when cavani came on and even bruno fernandes were just not in the game they're just like sitting and waiting for the ball and to me that boils down to uh, poor tactics on on solchar's part well interesting that you've uh, mentioned tactics but this is the same team and the same squad that beat psg in paris uh, so are you saying uh, could it be a confidence issue for instance no i don't think so so the game with psg and i remember we discussed it psg came out to play they they really tried to you know press us and they pressed high so they left themselves exposed at the back right they were not besak sahir for instance they was completely solid at the back four guys at the back four midfield very compact there was no way you can get wiggled you can wiggle past them and anyway uh, you know we don't have the kind of players who can unlock that kind of a defense with a killer pass let's say a, a de bruyne or a david silva for instance bruno fernandes it's already been uh, a month and a half since the season started he's just not uh, been good enough yet he's not come up to his top form we don't have that creativity in the middle to unlock that kind of defense and this is a style of defense that uh, teams have started playing a lot more that they're very compact like think of uh, the likes of newcastle against uh, you know newcastle maybe even brighton or burnley you know they're really compact they're really compressed you have to come at them from weird angles you have to try to unlock those lines of defense and if you have four people in line with the with the with the opponent defense and you have four of our own defenders and you're trying to find a pass in the middle it's not going to happen and that's pretty much what happened we gave the ball away so many times and all they had to do was just launch one forward dembaba the physical striker that he is just had to hold on to it and uh, find a pass for a goal and that's exactly what they did i think uh, besak sahir got their tactics spot on and i'm i'm kind of worried because we don't seem to have a plan b at this point Now, of course, this is a setback, but Istanbul visit Old Trafford next, and, and um, I mean United make a draw or a win, and they're back on track. So, sh- should a United fan really worried, or is it one of those things that it's a blip early on in the season, and maybe everyone's reading too much into it? Look, I I don't think so, you know, because it's not just about. 
qualifying the group stages it's about making your own life easier you know you are in a position where you could have finished at the top of the table by beating psg by beating leipzig this is the easiest fixture you know maybe not the easiest let's say the coming fixture is the easiest when istanbul come to old trafford right but given our home form you never know remind you we still have psg and we still have to play leipzig so we have basically just made our own lives uh, very very difficult it could have been a very simple uh, night at uh, istanbul and mind you united played a very strong side this was basically the playing 11 and that's kind of what i was stressing on in our earlier episode that united lack the depth that they can rest certain players so that someone else can take over and you know when get us these wins on these uh, weird trips to you know foreign lands and uh, keep our focus on the premier league now united face everton on on the weekend that's the first game of the game week uh, sorry not the first game the first game on saturday and uh, everton having played no european football at all have had one full week to train and plan and everything and i think uh, solskjaer is in trouble solskjaer in trouble now that's a thing that's been echoed across multiple uh, media outlets and multiple fan sites and handles on social media uh is he really though well i i honestly think i mean the the news would have you believe that uh the game against everton is a is a do or die for uh, solskjaer and if he if he fails to win uh that's pretty much it his time is done and uh, based on what i saw against uh, besak sahir i really think you know he's i mean god bless him he's a good man he's a legend at united i really hate to see him go uh but i really i can't see him unlocking this defense if a team decides to sit down and just park the bus so to speak he does not have uh, the the prowess to come up with a plan you know even let's say when you were with when we had mourinho on board there was a plan b yes the plan b was uh, float the ball and fellaini is going to win a header and somebody is going to get a tap in but that's fine that's at least a plan in the middle of the game with the 80th 80 minutes on the clock the camera turned to a soldier and i remember he was just such a sorry figure on the sideline he had nothing to say to his players he had no idea how to go about it i think he's he's still young he is uh, i mean he has won some big games but again it's always been games where teams have tried to uh, you know play us they have tried to score first you know they have tried to hit us first and then we've hit them on the counter you i uh, mind you This reminds me of the old uh, United of uh, you know Sir Alex, but uh, you know hitting people on the counter and relying on the counter attack speed of Ronaldo and uh, Rooney, for instance, in those early years. But now it's like you know there's no we're not we're not sound attackingly uh, you know in a, in an attacking sense defensively we are we are poor. I mean there's memes all over the internet about how terrible uh, the defending uh, United uh, uh, you know how terrible United were at defending against uh, Besak Sahir. and our midfield isn't great either i mean on days when pogba and fernandes don't turn up you got nothing you you can't even get two passes together so it calls for a managerial change i think well, as well but with pochettino available i think uh, man united fans are just like uh, you know licking their lips and they hope they can land uh, pochettino well um maybe not the right time to bring this up but mourinho you know when he was leaving he quipped that his greatest achievement was to finish second with that united squad in hindsight do you think that maybe at that time you know nobody paid a lot of attention to that quip and maybe he was much closer to the truth then I think that's right. I'm I'm uh, not surprised at all because it is a problem that managers are not getting backed by the board. I mean even when Mourinho was here he was crying out loud for a defensive uh you know a good center back signing 
and i remember the names like kulibali were being talked about but uh, he was told to stick it out with uh, smalling and jones and that's that's it i mean it's a it's a it's a combination of things and for people who want to really get into it we have recorded a podcast titled everything wrong at manchester united where we go into details about what really is wrong at united and this is one of the points that the manager aren't backed the players that the manager wants he doesn't get he's been given some signings which he uh, honestly doesn't know what to do about i mean pelistri was signed about a month ago he still hasn't even played i think he played again with the under 23s but he's yet to make a senior debut you know and kavani has come on but we've not used him at all he's barely had any touches you know at the ball so yeah it's it's a whole bunch of things but tactically i think solshar let's say is lacking he is he is uh, you know and if a fresh manager i mean they're just uh, you know we are suddenly coming into this era where we see players turn into managers like i uh, think the likes of lampard now and arteta and scott parker now these guys are all fresh but the difference between chelsea and united is that chelsea was given so much backing and there's so much confidence that uh, they've gone out they've spent well they've got good players and now finally we see chelsea showing their true colors and they you know looking very very dangerous Chelsea are quietly going about their business and they're up to seventh. They're only four points behind the leaders, and if they win this weekend, they'll move into the top four. Now, this is a squad that's been assembled very, very expensively, and uh, of course, you can say that Lampard had the backing of Abramovich. But I can argue that Lampard's under no less pressure than Solskjaer, uh, simply because of the weight of expectation uh, Abramovich uh, tends to put on his teams. But uh, staying on the Champions League, uh, any other results that catch your eye this weekend? I mean, I can uh, look at uh, the results and look at how Bayern have dismissed Salzburg almost six-two, uh, uh, and then a surprise result that uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, which did so well in their first weekend, have lost six-nil to Munchen Gladbach. Yeah. Apart from that, uh, I I still I've got my eyes on the the Real Madrid group now. That's turning out very well. Real Madrid coming out as winners and Sergio Ramos scoring his one hundredth goal for Real Madrid. I mean, insane as a defender, you know. So now it's Inter on two points with three games played. Real Madrid on four with three games. Shakhtar on uh, second and Munchen Gladbach. So it's five four four two. It's it, the group is wide open and. Uh well you see you probably I think you you'll probably get one of the big hitters uh, down to the Europa League depends you know you just have to wait and see who 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 it is. Uh moving on we still have uh, well uh, the return of Ronaldo to discuss uh, where he had uh, come back and he gave a got an assist and you know convincing 4-1 victory over uh, Ferenc Varos and uh, Leipzig winners against PSG. Are, let's let's be honest. What's what's up with PSG? I mean, they've got the money, they've got the players, they've won all the, the domestic titles they can think of. Why do they suffer so much in the European competitions? Well, I don't want to pretend to know the answers, but I think at some part it boils down to heart. And you can assemble a squad of players, and you know you they can have all the talent in the world. But if they don't have heart to fight for a trophy when the chips are down, I don't think they'll win much. And that's what is up with PSG. They simply don't have players who've grown up and around Paris, who feel for PSG. Mm-hmm. It's just an assembly, you know, it's just an expensively assembled squad of mercenaries. Well, and okay. just as mercenaries can't win you wars, mercenaries can't win you elite competitions. At least not. 
successive competitions. I, I I don't see them making the semis or the finals this year. Well, I think the same can be said for uh, for Man City, for instance. I mean, they've done well domestically, but uh, they've struggled in the European competitions, to be honest. Anyway, moving on to the Premier League now. Again, we've got another early Friday kickoff. Uh, it's it's it's. I mean, I I don't know why they do these long, uh, you know, game weeks: Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Nothing to talk about uh, on Friday, really. I mean, some games like. Uh, uh, it starts off with uh, it's Burnley, uh, Brighton versus Burnley, which uh, frankly nobody cares. And Southampton versus Newcastle might be a good game. Now, the game uh, I want to talk about is uh, Everton versus United at the Goodison. Now, this is going to be a good one. Uh, if you remind, I'm going to remind our FPL managers that uh, Luca Dean and James Rodriguez should be back for this game. James Rodriguez still a big question about after his injury, but Luca Dean will definitely be back. Richarlison still suspended. And uh, a fun fact that I read on the uh, on uh, Twitter today that Rich, uh, since Richarlison has been signed, Everton have not won a single game in which he has not played. That's an incredible stat since he's uh, since he joined them two years ago. But this is just the kind of stat that uh, you know you speak about it before a game against United, and it's it quickly becomes history. So you never know; it might just change again. Well, uh, I believe Richarlison is available for this game. He has served out a three-match suspension. I think he's... No, no he's uh, got one more. He's got one more left. Oh, there's one more. Yeah, there's well, one. he's a big miss. And, you know, uh, they've struggled ever since he got suspended. I would argue he is their most important player simply because of the mobility and the battle he brings up front. And uh, James needs someone, you know, for uh, to ping those passes, look up and, you know, play off of... Similarly, Calvert-Lewin, you know, he may have got goals, but he's not been able to influence the game as much as he has in the earlier game week, simply because his partner in crime has been missing. I think Calvert-Lewin uh, this season reminds me of uh, the breakout season of a certain Javier Hernandez, where he didn't influence the game as much like you had said, but he got those important goals for the club. And uh, he did really well, to be honest. But again, like you said, Richarlison is a big miss. And I hope United can uh, make them pay. United, again, are on an incredible away form. They are, they have won their last 10 away games. I mean, I mean, except the one at Besak Sahir. But they have an amazing away form. But their home form kind of sucks right now. Well, explain that. That is, that is incredible. I mean, uh, in this pandemic where essentially the home and away advantage has been neutralized, I, I find that really incredible. Um, I expect fireworks in this game, but uh, I expect also Man United to respond in some way to the criticism they've got uh, after the Arsenal and the Istanbul game. Now, we'll really see what the squad is made of. If they go to Everton and Wilt, then I'm afraid it's curtains for Solskjaer. It is... Uh, he's the odds-on favourite to get sacked before Christmas. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I don't think as much as he's inexperienced, I don't think it would be fair on him if he gets sacked because the squad uh, is not full of winners. It's full of duds and players that are flattering to deceive right now. And honestly, if you look at the United squad of the last decade, are these players worthy of even being talked about in the same sentence? No. None of them. And uh, somebody clearly pointed out that which United player would walk into the City or the Liverpool squad? And the answer is nobody would walk into them. Maybe Fernandez on a good day would get a spot on the bench. But who would walk into a City or a Liverpool squad? 
So if those are questions that are not being answered, I mean, the easy fix is to get rid of the manager. But the symptoms are in the players, in the way the team is set up and in the board. Now, just to come for uh, Solskjaer's defense a little bit, there was a stat that was put up again in the last game week. Uh, Solskjaer has uh, been United's manager for 100 games and his win percentage is 55%. In comparison, uh, Jurgen Klopp's win percentage for his first 100 games for Liverpool was 50%. So early days, I would say, you know, and, uh, you know, let's be honest, Klopp took his uh, own sweet time, but he had the backing of the players. He had the backing of the board. He had the backing of, uh, you know, everybody basically, and they trusted him in the process. But in Klopp, I think they got a, a winner. They got that winning mentality. They knew that something was happening. There was a plan in motion. But with uh, with Solskjaer, you just you just uh, wonder what what's going on. You know who's calling the shots now. Now I agree that the players that uh, uh, they have got are not. Uh, you know they can't walk into the uh, the first lineup of the, the for, you know the any of the top Premier League or top European teams. But again, it boils down to to backing uh, by the board. But another important point that was made by Paul Scholes uh, in the last game week was a manager. You can't just rely on having new signings come in and out, at least for a United manager. Now, for instance, think of which player has improved under Solskjaer. And you really wonder, you know, who who's really come out? Let's say Rashford, his finishing has improved a lot, I would say. But apart from that, everyone's pretty much the same. In fact, Pogba's performances compared to his Juventus days have gone down. Yes, he had his best season last season or the season before. I can't remember which. But you don't really see players getting better under a manager. And it's not just you buy expensive players and you put them out on the field and you let them do their thing. Like, uh, let's say, the likes of PSG and Man City do. Uh, but... Who's improved under Solskjaer? And, you know, if you have a guy like Arteta, for instance, you really see the the intricacies of his managerial skills that have gone into the players. And you can see these little shades of, uh, you know, these little shades coming out in these players. So that's another thing that uh, goes against uh, Solskjaer. I mean, uh, it remains to be seen what happens. But uh, as uh, as you would, if you could go by the, the, by the internet, uh, this Everton game is pretty much uh, do or die for him. See, this whole bit about if you're good at one aspect of the game, you'll be good at another is a myth. We've seen it across sport. We've seen legends of cricket come back to try and manage the Indian cricket team and fail. And it does not work. Management and playing are different things. You know, I can uh, attest to that from my own career as a manager, not in sport. That when you are behind the scenes, your aptitude, your temperament is completely different compared to when you're in front of the camera. And that is true also in sport. So a lot of these guys, they've translated well, but a lot of these guys have just been given the big stage prematurely. For example, Lampard, he was doing good things at Derby County, but certainly nothing earth-shattering. Yeah. And uh, similarly for Solskjaer. Now, these guys are still good guys. Let's talk about some legends. Maradona, a complete failure at management. Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, at Monaco. Paul Scholes even. uh, Paul Scholes had a stint at Oldham for like half a season and he was sacked in, I don't know, he was really sacked within, I think it was two months he was sacked. Not good at all. And and Ryan Giggs, you know, he came to Man United and he was only good enough to be the interim. So, Arteta, you know, learned under 
Guardiola, arguably the best manager in the modern game, for the better part of three years. And then, you know, he was appointed. So, Arsenal mm. tried the quick fix, getting Onai Emery. And then, you know, they decided to go young. But honestly, these guys have been thrown in at the deep end. And uh, you you did say that Liverpool had a poorer start to Klopp's career. But uh, I think the agreement was that when uh, FSG signed Klopp, that they would give him a longish period. Mm. And no questions would be asked for the first three years. So again, it it uh, begs the question: If United should uh, stick it out or get rid of another manager and bring in another manager to maybe, uh, because then then we've become like uh, like Chelsea again, you know. And that's this is something that uh, I used to take pride in that United do not get rid of their managers so quickly. But for the last uh, the last decade, we've seen uh, four five different managers, you know. And uh, well, as as much as I like Solskjaer, I really hate to see where United are at the moment. We are fifteenth. Uh, with the game in hand and uh, the game is against Everton. So, I really don't know what's going to happen there. But moving on from United, uh, Chelsea play Sheffield, which should be an interesting fixture. And uh, Hakeem Ziyech is now an, uh, now a starter, I would say, and he's uh, gotten off to a good start. I think he's uh, going to be a regular in the team. But the game of the, the match of the game week, I would say, is City versus Liverpool at the Etihad. What do you make of this? Well, well this is the... This is really the marker of who's going to grab this uh, league by the scruff of its neck. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's a must-win for City. It's still early days, but Liverpool have uh, taken their usual top spot at the table and City have to reel them in. If City win this, this title race is wide open. I'm calling it and I'm saying this will hark back to the four years, uh, four years, five years ago, where uh, Leicester won the title and the race was wide open. Uh, even the year after that, where uh, Chelsea, you know, were winners, but uh, essentially three or four teams were in the mix. Uh, before it became a two-horse race, uh, essentially, uh, these kind of games used to be the games that used to throw up uh, an early hint to how the season would go. And uh, I would say that there is no reason for City to not win. Van Dijk's out. Uh, Liverpool are not at their fluent best. Uh, yes, Diogo Jota has come in, but there's nothing in the City defence that can't shut him down. So, uh, this is... And it's at home. So, City have to win this. Liverpool, I think, I suspect, will be happier with a draw. Yeah, I think Liverpool are, are on the cusp of uh, gathering some kind of momentum after that, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, Van Dijk uh, injury. But uh, if City can stop their momentum, because they have a few tough games coming their way in the Premier League... Uh, they play Leicester next at Anfield. Then uh, they're away at Brighton. And after that, uh, they play Wolves. So, you know, these fixtures are a little... Uh, you, they got a big question mark against them because you have to wonder without uh, the defensive backing of uh, Van Dijk game after game and, uh, you know, day after day, how good really are Liverpool in terms of, uh, you know, bolstering their defence. But yeah, like you said, Diogo Jota is on fire. He, he got a hat-trick uh, this uh, game week in the Champions League. Now, he's uh, definitely a starter. So, well, uh, the last game on Monday night, uh, no, that's this is still Saturday. It's Arsenal versus Villa and then the last game, oh no, that's it. The games end on Sunday, that's that's pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, uh, let's talk about uh, the Fantasy Premier League now. What are the main changes that you've made so far in your, in your team? So, last week saw some uh, return to normalcy mm-hmm. and, you know, the usual uh, guys doing well, of course. Uh, my picks did not turn out as well as I had hoped. Mm-hmm. And I used up my free hit chip on uh, a bunch of players because Castagna and, uh, you know, Rodriguez were injured. 
So this game week sees my team revert to its uh, original and I'm not tinkering around too much. One guy that I have my eye on is uh, Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. And while I picked him and I put him uh, in my squad temporarily under the free hit chip last week, I think I'll make it permanent because West Brom have struggled. And the Kane and Son partnership is doing really well. So I'll keep both of them in my squad for sure. So who are you getting rid of to bring in Kane? Well, my wild card on Ollie Watkins. Mm-hmm. I think Arsenal will uh, hopefully shut out Villa. It's it's a home game. It's late on Sunday, and Villa have had their initial momentum punctured, which is uh, when you know it's is the best time to play any newly promoted sides. Well, I think I'm not going to expect a lot of points this game week because a lot of tough, tough uh, fixtures. I've got Mane who's playing Man City. I've got Grealish who's playing Arsenal. I've got uh, Calvert-Lewin who's playing United. Uh, the the one change I made this game week and I, I kind of like where my team is settled in now. So I'm not tinkering with it uh, much. No more minus eight uh, hits for me at least. Uh, I got rid of uh, Click from Leeds. I mean, he got an assist every now and then, but he wasn't uh, that great of a signing. I got uh, in uh, Podence from Wolves for the same price, 5.5 million. Now, I watched the game uh, that Wolves played the last game week. Now, Podence and uh, this Neto, these guys occupied some really, really good positions coming in from either side. And they almost tend to, you know, bypass Jimenez from the middle because the crossing is so good at Wolves. Neto finds Podence and Podence finds uh, Neto on the other side. And I think Jimenez just kind of stands there. And Jimenez is somebody I plan to get rid of in the next game week. Maybe bring in a cheaper forward like, I don't know, Wilson or Bamford. But that's something uh, for the for the future. But for now, it's click out and uh, Podence in for me. Well, uh, an interesting pick because I've never really had my eye on Podence. But now that you mentioned him, I'll check him out next game week. But, uh, you know, a risky pick from you as well because Bulls are away at Leicester. And Leicester do keep a tight defense and then release Wadi on the counter. That's how they play. Uh, another set of people who I suspect will have a better game week than us are the Chelsea uh, yeah. fans. You know, Chelsea are home against Sheffield. Sheffield have struggled all year long trying to get goals. And that's not going to change. Uh, so, somebody like a Chilwell is going to be a good pick. He may offer something going forward. And he may get a clean sheet as well. Uh, speaking of Chelsea... Now, there's really an ab- abundance of riches. I mean, do you pick Werner? Do you pick Ziyech? Do you go, you know, the wild card and pick an Abraham or a Mount? Do you instead pick, uh, you know, Havertz or a Pudisic down the middle? So, all of a sudden, uh, uh, somebody who's looking at Chelsea players has five or six good options to look at. Yeah, but I think it it boils down to what uh, we saw last season with Man City. The rotation is going to be so thick. That you don't know who's the definite starter. I would definitely give it some time. And I remember when the season started, a lot of people started with Werner, with Havertz. They, they didn't really deliver the good stuff, you know. So it, it remains to be seen how frequent uh, Ziyech is going to be on, how frequent Silva is going to play. And, uh, you know, with the, with the, with the likes, there are, the, there are a few injuries that are coming in, but Chelsea will rotate their squad. They are in the Champions League. And, uh, well, it remains to be seen, you know. So, I'm kind of still uh, staying a bit away from the Chelsea players. I mean, they don't come in cheap. So, you really have to, you know, really pick and choose. I'm I'm quite happy with the way my team's lined up. I mean, my, my the most of my points come from my midfield of uh, Mane, Son, Grealish, James Rodriguez and now Podence. So, I'm quite happy with these guys. You know, they quite a lot of firepower there. And, and up front, I've got Kane, Jimenez and Calvert-Lewin. 
So points coming in from all all directions for me. I, I mean, touch wood. I'm quite happy with that. So I don't want to tinker that much. Maybe at some point, once I've got uh, some fr- funds freed up from the sale of Jimenez, I will uh, probably get rid of uh, get rid of Graylish and uh, get in Ziyech or somebody, but uh, or De Bruyne maybe. But uh, for now, I like I like the way it's uh, set up. So I'm not going to do much with it. Your team is looking solid, and I am nervously looking over my shoulder. Mm-hmm. So. Good work there. I I hope I can uh, you know recover from the abysmal game week I had. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be looking at people like uh, Luca Dean to uh, redeem himself against United. I'm going to be looking at Rodriguez, and I am going to go in with my first choice pick of uh, Matt Ryan over Emiliano Martinez. Uh, he returns to the Arsenal, but I do suspect Arsenal will put one past him. Mm-hmm. So Matt Ryan to get me a clean sheet in the early game. Well, mind you, this is uh, the the game week before the international break. So take it all in because football is going to be missing for about two weeks. So make of that what you can. There's no Champions League also again uh, next weekend, uh, next midweek. Uh, yeah, so take it all in and uh, wish you all the best, brother, with the Fantasy Premier League. It's turning out uh, quite nicely. Our, our table is pretty, uh, you know, well balanced. Points all over the place. And it's anybody's game, really. So good luck to you and good luck to Arsenal and definitely good luck to Man United out there. And to you, sir. Alrighty, see you around next time. Bye-bye. Yeah.